Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Friday the 14th of May. My name is Sam Kozlowski and helping me make sense of today's news is Zara Seidler. Making news today. More vaccinations for Australia. Labor's budget reply. Some good news about offshore wind farms. And a chat about question time. Here's today's Daily Digest. The Australian federal government and pharmaceutical company Moderna have reached a deal that will supply 25 million doses of its COVID-19 vaccine. One million doses will arrive by September, with nine million doses following in December. The other 15 million doses are going to arrive in Australia in 2022. Moderna will submit an application shortly for approval from Australia's Therapeutic Goods Administration, or the TGA. If the application is successful, Moderna would join both AstraZeneca and Pfizer as vaccines approved for use for Australians. So last night, opposition leader Anthony Albanese delivered Labor's budget reply speech to Parliament. And this is a very normal part of the budget cycle. The opposition usually just gets up to respond with what they would have done with the budget. So he highlighted renewable energy and initiatives for women as key areas of Labor's budget reply. Albanese also revealed a new policy called Startup Year that will assist 2,000 young entrepreneurs with the costs of accelerator programs in both unis and private sector incubators. The loans would be part of the existing help system. Tesla CEO and SNL star Elon Musk announced on Twitter a suspension of the use of Bitcoin to purchase vehicles, citing environmental concerns around the mining of the cryptocurrency. The tweet triggered a 7% fall in the price of Bitcoin yesterday. Tesla announced in February this year that the company had purchased 1.5 billion US dollars of Bitcoin prior to accepting the cryptocurrency as payment for vehicles. This change saw an almost 20% rise in the price of Bitcoin. In a week that I think everyone needs a bit of good news, the US has approved its first offshore wind farm to be installed off the coast of Massachusetts. I've always managed to escape having to say that one out loud. The $2.8 billion vineyard wind project is made up of 84 turbines that will be split between two locations and are expected to generate 800 megawatts of electricity, which is enough to power roughly 400,000 homes. The farm is expected to start supplying power by 2023. We are afflicted in this nation, we are afflicted with this disgusting, mud-sucking creatures, bottom-dwelling, mud-sucking creatures, bottom-dwelling, mud-sucking creatures, for which the only form of control is a version of herpes to try and get rid of these disgusting, mud-sucking creatures. So you were just listening to the dulcet tones of Australian parliamentarians as they engage in question time. And today's deep dive is actually into question time because yesterday there was a parliamentary committee report that was handed to the government that laid out some changes that they want to make to question time. I see kind of two main points where Aussies are connected to question time. One would be in year six on a trip to Canberra and the other would be if you're home from school watching it at 2.30 on the ABC by accident. That was only you. That was only me, (laughs) followed by Bold and the Beautiful. For those who aren't familiar with question time, why is it there and what purpose does it serve? It is a time during the parliamentary sitting day where members of parliament get to ask questions of government ministers and those government ministers are obliged to answer. So the whole idea behind it is that it's meant to be a time when the government is kept accountable. Usually, though, it just descends into absolute chaos and it really can highlight the worst of politics. So it's pretty easy to imagine what questions the opposition would be asking the government of the day. Mm. They would be challenging them on some key points of policy. 
What does the government ask themselves? <laughs> what does the government ask the government? So the government asks the government something called a Dorothy Dixer. And Dorothy Dixers are rehearse or planted questions that are asked of government ministers by a backbencher. So by another member of the government, but just not a minister. And they're usually pretty rehearsed and you can hear them every single day. So it would be something like, can the honourable member for Kuyong, who's Josh Frydenberg, please update the House on how the Morrison government is supporting the Australian economy? And you'd hear that day in, day out, because it would give Josh Frydenberg, our treasurer, a chance to spruik the government's budget or spruik any new initiatives that the Treasury has. So I'm going to simulate that now. Could the Honourable Member on Microphone One please tell us <laughs> why The Daily Oz is a must-follow Instagram account? It's where over 100,000 Australians get the news every day and we'd love you to become part of the community. And that is a Dorothy Dixer. <laughs> so Dorothy Dixers are the bane of a lot of people's existence because you don't really get real answers out of the government from them. So this Parliamentary Committee review actually recommended that Dixers shouldn't exist because they often end with a minister being asked about, quote, alternative approaches, which is basically just giving the government a chance to spruik their own policies while criticising the opposition. So the first recommendation of the committee is to ban asking about alternative approaches. As well as getting rid of Dorothy Dix's, the committee also recommends shortening the time limit for questions to 30 seconds and answers to two minutes so that you can allow for more questions, 21 questions actually, each day. Part of this recommendation said that 10 of these questions should be from the opposition, five from the government, one from the crossbench and five constituency questions, which would be from government MPs. It kind of feels like a workplace is being told how to be more efficient could the Honourable Member on Microphone One tell us about bans on mobile phones during question time? Yes, so the committee also recommended that a short-term trial of very limited use of mobile phones by members during question time should be implemented. And if you've ever watched question time, for me it's one of the most stark things. You see the Prime Minister, the Treasurer, the Opposition Leader, all of them, they're all just sitting there on their phones ignoring what is happening. And you often see tweets coming out through question time and parliamentarians actually just responding in real time. So this recommendation goes to the heart of that and it's trying to really limit the distractions that might happen in Parliament House. The committee also wants to change how long MPs can be kicked out for disorderly behaviour. We see this happen all the time. And the committee's Deputy Chair, Labor MP Milton Dick, read a submission that was made to the committee that said, I see many highly paid people behaving extremely badly. And that was the general sentiment from almost 3,500 people who responded to a survey by the committee. More than 95% of them said changes to the process were needed. Here's to a more efficient question time and better TV when you're sick in bed before Bold and the Beautiful. That's all we've got time for today and this week. But if you want to follow the news over the weekend, there is a lot happening around the world. You can follow us on Instagram at The Daily Oz. It's where, as Zara said, over 100,000 people get their news throughout the weekend and we'd love you to become part of this community. 